morning in my car, just crossing over the San Jacinto River. Looks like it's flowing pretty well. I'm heading east on the Grand Parkway here in Houston. The sun is trying to poke through some clouds. Um, it's been bright and sunny for over an hour and a half by now. It's about 7.30. On Saturday, May 14th, I'm headed towards Watson uh, Rare Native Plant Preserve over in Warren, East Texas, about two hours from my house. And they're having a work day today. I'm doing some trail maintenance out there. I believe they're supposed to be cleaning up some Tai Tai. Um, uh, Cyrilla Racinoflora, I believe, is the scientific name. It's a really nice shrubby wetland plant. Um, <laughs> it does tend to take over though. Um, areas you don't want to take it over. So they're doing some cleanup of that. And I have wanted to volunteer over there for several years. I don't know, several years, a decade at least. Uh, my husband probably volunteered once there about a decade ago and then life has happened and because it is two hours away, <laughs> It's not exactly the most convenient thing uh, to be able to do, and I just, every time a work day has come up in the last couple of years, I just have not been able to make it. But I got wind of this one sooner than uh, I have on the others, and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this, this trip over there today and do some work and um, maybe take some photos, see what's blooming at the preserve there. And I thought I would do a little podcast about um, about the preserve going over there. I kind of did one when I, 2020, I think it might have been June of 2020, uh, uh, from Watson and uh, the Pitcher Plant Bog in the Big Thicket back during the early pandemic days. And so you can listen to that if you want to go dig through my archives. But I thought I would just talk about how the workday goes and maybe just talk a little bit about the preserve and um, that. And then maybe, hoping maybe I can see some stuff along the way uh, on the roadside. I'm not going to be able to stop on the way, but on the way back, I'm hoping I can see if there's anything interesting blooming, some Physostegias, um, Philias, anything like that along the roadside. I might stop, pull over, do a little roadside botanizing and... Uh, recap that but just driving right now um so the Watson Reserve was built by Geraldine Watson she was one of several people instrumental in getting the Big Thicket Natural the Big Thicket National Preserve um preserved in the um 1970s I believe and uh she she bought this property North, it's north of Beaumont, about probably 45 minutes, maybe an hour north of Beaumont. I don't know if it's quite that far. And uh, deep in the heart of the Big Thicket, it's not very far from the Big Thicket's uh, visitor center. It's not big, far from several units of the Big Thicket. You can drive a back road to get to the pitcher plant bog um, and enjoy that. Well, I'm about to exit here, and I'm going to hit pause for a moment because I don't like this big bridge as I get on uh, 59-69 north towards Cleveland. Um, yeah. Okay, 
made it over that flyover. Uh, for some reason, Texas really loves these giant bridges to transition to other highways, and I'm not a big fan of heights <laughs> these days, so I don't like I don't like driving over them. So heading north now on 59, gonna exit in Cleveland here shortly and take some different winding back roads over to Warren over there in East Texas. And I mean, to get a feel for East Texas, I mean, you hear East Texas, it's the piney woods. It's, it's tons of mostly loblolly uh, pines. There are shortleaf pines and longleaf pines. And I believe there might be a bit of slash pine. Um, I'm not sure to tell the difference of that unless I'm in Florida. <laughs> um, but it's a pine dominated area, but of course there's all sorts of different uh, ecosystems in there too. There are beach slopes and magnolias and the, the big thing, lots of yopon. <laughs> and you know, it, it, it resembles a lot of, you know, the southeastern United States. You know, you can go to places like Louisiana, Mississippi and be like, this looks like Texas too. And that's kind of one of the unique things about the big thicket and a lot of East Texas is that, you know, they call it a biological crossroads and it is pretty biodiverse. Um, there are parts of East Texas, some where are there some of the Western extent of several species of plants that, you know, they're fairly common East of here, but they're extremely uncommon in Texas. And, you know, you run into that a lot. I think Texas, is maybe becoming more known for its biodiversity um, in the plant and garden world. I mean, it's a humongous state, of course. <laughs> you know, we've got, you know, zone probably 6A, maybe 5B, like up in the Panhandle, down to 10A in Brownsville. And of course, you know, El Paso all the way to Beaumont. Uh, and Orange is just like a massive <laughs> mileage and time frame. So it's, it's a diverse state and so the Big Thicket in East Texas is just one of those areas where there's just a lot of different plants and habitats converging in that zone. And so that's the, 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 the Watson Preserve is a little bit, um, it's like a snapshot of some of the best of East Texas. And I, I'm not quite sure exactly how much, um, Geraldine brought in and planted specifically there. I know I'm sure a lot of there were plenty of plants that were were growing there on the property, but I know she uh, definitely brought in other plants that aren't native to that particular property or that region of Texas that she she brought in. Um, I believe things like the picture plant blog and all of that uh, that she has growing there were created. Geraldine and not actually <laughs> did not actually exist there uh, beforehand so again it's, it's a snapshot of what you can find in East Texas and um, unfortunately Geraldine passed away in 2012 um, so I, I never unfortunately got to meet her which you know would have been kind of a, a cool thing to do and her home still is on the property but I believe um, maybe suffering from some just like damage from used and uh, totally upkept all the time and you know a moist humid environment lots of <laughs> things uh, to decay wood and all of that 
but um, yeah so I'm gonna end right there and report back after my volunteer experience and getting out there and see what's blooming at the preserve and hopefully see if there's anything interesting on the roadsides on the way. Alright, so it's almost two o'clock and I'm done with my volunteering for today. It was actually a pretty not too bad day. I mean it's pretty hot. Um but it was overcast so that was good and uh yeah it was we had a good time i mean small group of folks um most of them you know long-term volunteers um board members for the preserve um, and folks who are just pretty dedicated to keeping the preserve going and um so and i learned <laughs> there's not a lot of uh, other folks come and volunteer that often i mean of course they have bird walks and plant walks and things like that but uh, as for volunteering not so many folks are out there doing that so if you have time you know once twice a year certainly worth the drive I think to just give back a little bit especially if you come to the preserve um, over over time over the years it's worth coming and uh, just doing a little bit of work and I hope to definitely be doing more of that in the uh, coming months and years just get out there and uh, do the work, especially, you know, anytime you go places, hiking trails, you enjoy a park, and <laughs> you complain, that could be done better, this could be done, that, um, usually, you know, there's not a lot of funding involved in upkeep, um, a lot of our parks departments are starved, and of course, this is a, this is a private, uh, you know, conservation um, place, it's not run by any city or county, so, it's even different and more in need of volunteers and totally volunteer run. So, you know, learned a lot for sure. And it was great just chatting with folks who have been out there at the preserve for decades and getting to hear some old stories. <laughs> Today we mostly moved uh, some pine needles to some muddier spots along the trail out there that needed are walking in mud uh, keep it a little bit drier for folks and then mostly the our big task was clearing the tai tai from the pitcher plant bog area of the preserve which is on the north end of the area and tai tai is a native plant um it's a it's a cool plant actually but you know it'll grow wherever it can grow and unfortunately you want a pitcher plant bog to be open and sun and doesn't need encroaching woody shrubby plants uh, and getting into that bog area and unfortunately if you can't burn all the time that's what happens and uh, so we're out there manually cutting tai tai and then treating it uh, with an herbicide um, not just randomly spraying it either you know treating the stumps itself so it doesn't kill any other plants and um, hopefully that will kind of knock it back for a few years at least until we have to do it again and of course that's one little section this is going to be an ongoing process of doing a whole the whole log and of course I'm not gonna be able to come every month to do that so folks who are volunteering frequently 
definitely will be dealing with that. But if you want to come volunteer, trust me, it's worth it. I think you know, spending two, three hours at a really cool place, getting to know folks, you know, chatting, sitting and having a little rest break in the preserve and in the heart of the big thicket and getting to um, just be in a really neat area. Um, I think it's worth it. And so a little bit more about like winter plant logs and burning and habitat like that. In general, much of our habitats in a lot of the United States burned um, before we could control wildfires, before there was a lot of people, um, white settlers, should I say, uh, or just settlers in general, um, coming over here, uh, the, the land burned. And whether it was uncontrolled, sometimes the native tribes would set burnt, uh, fires to burn certain areas because they were also managing habitat for different things. Um, and so, of course, now, you know, we entered into a whole era of fire suppression and putting out fires before they could harm an entire forest, or so we thought, harming an entire forest, um, or harming, you know, settlements that were inside of a forest. So we had a whole generation of fire suppression until finally you came to this situation where all these fires just burned uncontrollably. They did even worse damage than a fire every, you know, three to five years or even a decade would have done. You've got these massive fires that have um, caused major issues because they have like 50 years of undergrowth and stuff and stuff that is built up that hasn't been burned and so they burn hotter, they burn higher, they burn faster and it's a huge problem but you know a lot of these fires and these fire prone areas they would have burned every three to five years and burn until they hit you know a wet, a wet area or a water source they could have burned from stream to stream make. Um, Know, my husband's always telling me, you know, there's old stories about Florida burning from one side to the other every, you know, year or two um, in certain parts. And so that is what kept a lot of these pitcher plant logs open. And now we have encroachment from woody vegetation because burning isn't happening as frequently as they should. I mean, you have other factors uh, coming into pitcher plant bog uh, decline as well, hydrology changes things like that um, there's a bunch of different factors into it but burning and keeping that canopy open is is one factor so keeping that open in the Watson Preserve uh, you know they can't always burn I know they do manual uh, burns occasionally but um, sometimes you just gotta go in there and manually cut things back and hopefully you know after you kind of get some of these plants the tight ties some of the bigger lower story shrubs that, you know, aren't needed in the bog that other plants will come in and thrive. Pitcher plants can um, move and, and, and put more plants out. And, you know, as we're clearing through, you can see some different colic roots we're trying to grow under there and bloom. And, you know, hopefully more orchids will, will sprout in those areas. And, you know, it's just an ongoing process. But, I don't know, I really am glad I made the, the drive over here for that. And it's something I hope I can do. And, you know, I know there's a lot of folks in the Texas uh, natural history and gardening communities who have gone to Watson before. Um, but if you have if you have 
it and stay at the preserve and <laughs> eat your lunch afterwards. And then, of course, you can. I stopped in at the Big Thicket Visitor Center on my way out just to see what they've got. I haven't been there in a while, but um, they have a nice display in there. They've got a lot of interesting books as well and little, you know, Big Thicket National Park kind of uh, souvenirs. And that's it's worth stopping in there. And of course, right there, uh, just south of the Watson Preserve, is the Sundew Trail. You can also go on the Kirby Nature Trail. And then if you want to do the, the other, the big thicket, plant, pitcher plant bog is, is not too far away from there as well. So there's a lot to do in this area. Just make it a weekend. Um, I just also just say that if you've got a park anywhere else that you like and you visit a lot, just see um, what volunteer efforts are going on there. I know I've, I've always wanted to do some trail work with the Lone Star Trail. And I haven't had a chance to do that yet, but um, yeah, just finding the time. I know we all don't have the time to give what we all want to give sometimes, but every little bit helps, and I know it's certainly appreciated. And um, I don't know, it's also fun just to get to meet different people and have some camaraderie with the folks who are out there just uh, immersed in it, uh, should I say. And uh, also, it was really fun. I was able to go into studio area they have set up and it's always been closed when I've come uh, so you can buy prints of Geraldine's artwork and some note cards I've, I've bought a few note cards and it's kind of cool just to see some of the displays I've got inside there so I think I'm pretty sure you'll be able to go into that if you come on to a bird walk or a plant walk um, just ask to, to go and bring some cash for sure uh, the note cards were five dollars each and i believe the prints were 55 dollars and um you know all that's going to go back and preserve help the preserve as well so um oh and sign up for the newsletter for the preserve and keep you up to date with what's going on any uh, upcoming work days walks um, nature notes and history of uh, the property all on there and I'll put a link in the show notes for that as well and there's a Facebook group too so you can see photos and they also share updates uh, there as well but it's just one of these little jewels over here in East Texas you know if you know about it you know about it and if you don't now you know about it <laughs> and I know there are all sorts of these little places throughout the United States um, whether they're run by a local you know nature conservancy or land conservancy there are all sorts of little preserved places and tracts of land that there's always work to be done. Um, you can always volunteer and see what you can do to help. There's always special places that we love that need extra hands to keep it going. And I am heading home now. I don't. I didn't really see anywhere outstanding <laughs> to stop on the way home. Uh, the side of the road. There's not a whole lot of. I might have seen some Physostegia, but and now I've, I think I've passed that space. But I haven't seen anything too crazy that's made me want to stop, so I'll keep my eyes open in the way. There's been a lot of green cospera, a lot of folia. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Colorado. It's a smaller one. And it's the white top sedge. And, you know, there's a lot of interesting, other interesting plants, but nothing that's just making me go, ah, oh, I need to stop. So, unless it changes, this will be it. And have everything I've kind of talked about in the show notes for this episode. And I apologize for the <laughs> the car noise. I hope this episode isn't too noisy, but 
it is what it is. And, um, and this is going to be my last episode for this season as well. Take the summer off, work on some stuff behind the scenes, and be back in September with new episodes. Thanks everybody for listening, and until next time, or until, yeah, until next time, happy gardening.